Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, thanks for downloading today's podcast on Friday the 20th of October. First up, the family of a man who died in a crash on the A228 near West Malling have described him as the nicest man in the world. The motorbike 43-year-old Scott Reeve was riding collided with traffic lights at a pedestrian crossing not far from the railway station on Sunday evening. Flowers have been left at the scene and his wife's been paying tribute. Kate has the details. Scott worked as a mechanic at Tilliard Autos in Maidstone and was also a dad. His wife Sharon says, He was my beloved partner love of my life and soulmate. He was so humble, non-judgmental and he loved and lived with passion. She's described it as a devastatingly huge loss for everyone who knew or met him. She also spoke about his love for their pet spaniel Lolo. Scott's friends have also paid tribute with one saying sadness fills my heart and another adding I'll spend the rest of my life missing you. They're planning a huge send-off which will involve dozens of bikers following the funeral procession. Thanks Kate. Police say they're still investigating the crash and want to hear from anyone who saw what happened. Kent Online reports. A sex offender from Canterbury has been sent to prison for sending inappropriate messages to a child he thought was just 14 years old. Nigel Stewart targeted his victim over several weeks, but he was actually interacting with a fake profile. Officers searched the 55-year-old's property in Gordon Road and seized a mobile phone. He's been locked up for nearly three years. The Archbishop of Canterbury has arrived in Jerusalem where he'll meet other religious leaders. He wants to show solidarity after a deadly explosion at an Anglican hospital in Gaza. Justin Welby is also appealing for the release of hostages that were taken by Hamas when they attacked Israel. An elderly woman's been left waiting in the cold for more than an hour as there was no room for her wheelchair on a bus. 79-year-old Diane Williams got to Folkestone bus station with her daughter Amanda 20 minutes before the service to Hythe was due to arrive. But they were left gobsmacked after being told there was no room for them. Amanda's been telling us more about their experience. What should have been a really lovely day out with mum was ruined. Um, on Saturday, uh, I came down just for one day to spend the day with mum, collect her from the nursing home and take her back to her home, which she had to leave several weeks ago because of her disabilities. So it was a really important day out for her and we set off from the bus station in Folkestone to catch a bus down to Palmarsh and I was completely horrified and shocked to learn that you can only take one wheelchair user at the time on the bus. So um, I found out when we were refused entry on the 1307 number 102 bus. I'm very disappointed about the fact that we had to continue to wait at the bus station. Um, There's not even a covered area there for mum to wait. So I'm just very glad that it wasn't raining. Whilst we were waiting, another wheelchair user came along to the same bus stop and it transpired that he was only travelling to Sangay and the next bus that came didn't go to Palmarsh anyway. So we let him on the next bus and eventually managed to board the 2.07pm bus. So we'd been waiting well over an hour to get onto a bus. So unfortunately it, it was really bad news because We were looking forward to getting home and I was looking forward to cooking some lunch but by the time we got there it was around about half past two 
Anyway, we did grab something to eat and we headed back to catch the 423 bus back up to Folkestone so I could take Mum back to the nursing home. And we waited, we waited, we waited. From around about 10 past four to around about five past five, when a bus eventually arrived and thank goodness there wasn't a wheelchair user on it, because had there have been someone already in the occupied space, then we wouldn't have had the opportunity to get home again then. Now this time of year, it's cold. It's not fair on vulnerable people to be left outside waiting for a bus that doesn't arrive or being refused entry onto a bus because of their disability. Um, it's very worrying for me. It's, I've been encouraging my father to go out on the bus more often and he's been frightened about doing this now because he doesn't want to be left outside in the cold waiting and it makes me really concerned about the next time I want to take mum out because I can no longer get her into the car, it's not an option to do that. A taxi for a wheelchair user is very, very expensive and with the current cost of living crisis it's not even an option. So. The only option that's open to us is to take the bus and the fact that we can't get on a bus if somebody's already on it is just dreadful at this time of year. I noted that the drivers just sort of shrugged it off. Um, you can't get on was basically the feedback that we had at the time. and It's not their fault and I don't blame them, um, but having no compassion or empathy for the situation people are being put in it is really a disgrace. A spokesperson for Stagecoach said bosses are constantly investing in updating buses. They've apologised to Diane and Amanda and say the interior design of our buses reflects a compromise between the differing needs of various groups. Kent Online News. 34 people have been arrested as part of a crackdown on County Line's drugs gangs in Kent. Police carried out a week-long operation and seized nearly a 1,000 wraps of heroin and crack cocaine, as well as weapons, including knives and firearms. Some of the raids were carried out in Maidstone, Ashford and Chatham. A risk assessment found potentially dangerous concrete at Kent's biggest hospital. Rack was discovered at Medway Maritime, but bosses say an inspection has shown the area is safe. It's normally used for staff for training and meetings. Now, Princess Anne has been in Kent to officially open the new Royal British Legion Industries Centenary Village in Aylesford. Dozens of homes have been built for veterans as part of the £22 million project. Nicola's been chatting to Veronica and Rod Eldridge, who got to show the princess around their flat in Greenwich House. Rod spent 18 years in the Royal Engineers. The couple moved to the RBLI village after suffering 19 months of abuse from a neighbour where they used to live in Ashford. I had a nervous breakdown and poor Rod had to cope with the noise, the blaring music and me being ill. Rod coped absolutely wonderfully. We couldn't put up with it any longer being there. It just made us both really ill. So we were lucky because Linda Smith the manager and Anne, who watched with Linda, they offered us a one-bedroom flat at Queen Elizabeth Court, and that was where we started off and were very pleased to get the flat. And slowly 
we've healed, mm-hmm. haven't we? Yeah. With the love and support from RBNI management, the carers, and then when the new build was finished, we were offered this flat and we've, we've just been so loved and supported by everybody. They're everybody special to us, Nicola. Everybody. Because they've loved and supported us. And the carers, when we arrived at Queen Elizabeth Court, they showed us respect. Everything. Everything. Cared for us, made sure medication was taken. And everybody's been wonderful. And we're just so grateful to everybody for what they've done. It's it's really wonderful. You couldn't wish for anywhere better. I mean, obviously, in Ashford, we had quite a rough time. But here, it is wonderful. All the staff are really good, aren't they? We've made a few friends. Yeah, made a few few friends. And, um, yeah, it's really, really good. And the flat we got is amazing. How lovely is it that a facility like this is available for veterans and you do get this support? Because, I mean, it sounds like it's completely transformed both of your lives. It's much needed, much needed. And there's thousands of people that were probably worse off than we were, Nicola, that need the help and the support which everybody is offered by our BLI. We were, weren't we? Everything. Couldn't have been more supported. Every mortal thing. The late Queen also visited the site when it was being built back in 2019, which marked the RBLI's 100th anniversary. Lisa Farmer is chief exec of the charity and says they're doing incredibly important work. We are the only charity in the UK, militia charity in the UK, building facilities for our veterans. We're very passionate about that there are homes for veterans who otherwise wouldn't have one. So we get many homeless veterans come to us and they we put them up in our hostel. But sadly, we found there was nowhere to move them on to. We, we, there was no availability for them. And so we set out to embark on raising 22 million to build new homes for veterans. And that's what we've done. So we've um, created 60 new homes. Um, we still have 32 to uh, build but we need to raise more money to do that. Yeah, you mentioned there the fundraising. I mean, that is a huge effort. It's an awful lot of money, isn't it? And particularly at this time when we've got the cost of living crisis and things like that, you must be hugely grateful to everyone who's donated. Really grateful. We could not do it without the support. If we hadn't had the donations, these homes would not be built and we would not be helping veterans in the way that we're doing. So thank you to every donor who has given. And really, the message is we need more. And I know times are hard, but we still need more fundraising. Uh, It is getting more difficult, as you can imagine. Um, But it's so important. We've got to make sure that veterans are not sleeping rough. We've got to make sure that there's facilities available for them that are high quality in order to get their life back on track. And that's why we keep going and we need to do more.
And the late Queen came to visit the Centenary Village when it was still being built back in 2019. How lovely is it to kind of have now her daughter come and officially open it? It couldn't be better, could it? I mean, how wonderful is that, that Her Late Majesty, she took the turf, she got us on our way, and now her daughter comes and formally opens it. I, I'm sure if she's watching, she will have a smile on her face. Absolutely. And what does it mean for the veterans who live there to have a visit like this? There's so much excitement um, around the village. We still talk about her late Majesty's visit, but also Princess Anne visited RBLI 18 years ago. And people still talk about that visit today. Um, so it really means a lot. It, it means so much to the residents that live here and to the staff as well. And I think perhaps in the past, we've, all, we've always thought as veterans as older people, but of course they're, they're not, are they? They can be veterans because they've left the forces at any stage in their career and have various different issues. So you, as you mentioned there, you help anyone from any forces, but any age as well. Absolutely. We have a lot of younger veterans actually who um, come through, they leave the forces, they think they've got a plan, oh, I'm going to work here and I'm going to live with my friend till I get myself set up. And then one year, two years takes place and they realise actually they've been sofa surfing. And that's when they're like, well, how do I get myself back onto real, the real world and into the real life? And so what we do here at RB Lives, we give you a place to stay, put that support around you, get you a bank account, Get, get to go onto our LifeWorks, our employee courses, offer work in our social enterprises and, of course, a home. And it's then that you begin to see them rebuild their lives, deal with any issues that they've got, and then flourish. And our a success for us is when they move on and move away and go and live their life without the help of RBLI. Kent Online reports. The top floor of a multi-storey car park in Ashford has been shut for good because of vandalism and antisocial behaviour. Council bosses say they had no choice but to close the fourth floor of the site on Edinburgh Road. It's after reports of people hurling objects, hanging off the railings and firing catapults. There are calls for new schools to be built in part of Kent as parents struggle to get places for their children. A number of crisis meetings have taken place in Cranbrook, where many secondary pupils have to travel more than 10 miles to class. It's also emerged how almost 300 families were scrambling for just 170 preschool places. As part of National Adoption Week, it's been revealed there are more than 2,000 children waiting for their forever home. It's something families across Kent are being encouraged to consider, with the number of youngsters being adopted dropping by nearly a quarter over the past five years. Amy Coombs is Head of Adoption Partnership South East and has been speaking with Gabriel Morris from our colleagues at KMTV. There continues to be a large number of children across the region who need the right families um, to be able to adopt them. And that's what we're continuing to do. Um, and why I'm grateful for this opportunity to really express the need for families that would consider adopting a child. And what are um, some of um, uh, the factors, aspects you look at when a family comes um, through to wanting to adopt? What is it that you're looking at? So we really pride ourselves on being really inclusive. We are looking for all sorts of different people. Um, we see amazing adopters coming forward as single adopters. You don't need to be part of a relationship um, to be able to adopt. You can come forward as a single adopter and provide a loving home for a child. Um, we have adopters from all ethnicities, um, LGBT plus. We're really keen to hear from you. 
we really pride ourselves in being very inclusive and looking for different families that can cope with the differing needs of the children that need families. Um, and also, I know I'm speaking to uh, a family tomorrow who have adopted um, a child with um, special educational needs. And that is one of one of the um, types of adoption. Tell us about the importance of actually um, adopting children with um, SEN. Yeah, absolutely. So we have children currently that we're looking for families for who do have um, disabilities, children that have those higher complex needs that actually we do struggle at times to find um forever families for those children. So really we're looking for people that have that skill set, that experience to be able to that provide a child with a permanent family so that they can grow up within a family rather than having to grow up within a care system. And what are some of the positives of um, adopting? Because it can be a very pos uh, positive experience. Absolutely. So we provide lots of training and support for our adoptive families. We have an amazing adoption community across the region. So we have Christmas parties and picnics, and we really encourage our families to network and support each other. What we hear from our families that do adopt children are the rewards. Yes, it's challenging, but parenting is challenging. But being able to provide a loving home for a child that otherwise would have to remain in foster care because sadly their birth family can't care for them is going to be an amazingly rewarding thing. You become legal parents to that child. And we're here to support you on that journey. Elsewhere today, an archaeological discovery has stopped work on homes in Folkestone. The foundations were being laid at the site in Military Road when two brick tanks were discovered. Experts reckon they date back to the early 20th century and could be linked to a house that used to be in the same area. A care home near Canterbury that's been left to rack and ruin is set to go under the hammer at auction. The site in Molash has been targeted by vandals since closing 12 years ago. It sits in seven and a half acres of land and has been given a guide price of half a million pounds. A charity football match is taking place in Medway this weekend. The nine-a-side tournament's happening at Cross Park in All Hallows tomorrow. Christian Obrey's been speaking to Bartholomew from our colleagues at KMTV and says it'll be raising funds for two charities. The first one is Last Chance Animal Rescue. Um, so they basically save animals from unneededly being put down and then look to rehome them. And then the Red Eagle Foundation uh, look after and support disadvantaged, disabled and terminally ill children. Um, they're both based in Kent because we wanted to choose local charities to help. Absolutely, and it's important. We, we hear from charities all the time on KMTV about that local support. Yeah. And that, uh, that that second charity as well, can you just... I know that you have quite a personal story with that as well, about your, your brother, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So we never um, used the Red Eagle Foundation ourselves, but, yeah, my brother, uh, Colby, um, would have been brilliant had we had known about the stuff that they do because it's very close to our family, obviously. He was um, born and he had disabil disabilities, uh, cystic fibrosis. Um, so the, the work that they do is really close because it's helped support families in similar situations. It's such an inspiring story as well that you're doing this in sort of memory of your brother and, yeah. and, and for him as well. Um, now, when people come along this Saturday, what can they expect? Obviously, there's a football match in the middle. Who's, who's going to be playing? What, what, what's that sort of... Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's a football match. Uh, so the football matches go on from 10 till about half past three and then the trophy presentation. Um, there's a mix of teams. Uh, some got in touch with me and said, really want to be a part of it, and they've put together a team. Um, but some of them, there's a family uh, team that's taking part. 
And yeah, around the football, we've got food stalls, we've got carnival games, uh, some lawn games for the children. Uh, there's even an ice cream van and it's uh, yeah free to come and uh, it's dog friendly as well. So Brilliant. literally everyone can come. <laughs> well, it sounds like, that, sounds like the perfect day out. Now, why, why, why football? Why, why, you, know, you could have done any, any sort of sporting event. Why, why put on a match? Um, I used to play back in the day. I used to play myself. Um, and before lockdown, we actually done a 12-hour football charity match. Uh, and this was going to be something that was going to be later that year, but then lockdown sort of got in the way. But being a big football fan myself, it sort of is something I'm passionate about, so it's easy to get behind and plan. Are you going to be taking part yourself? I'm not, no. I'm going to be running around uh, okay. making sure everyone has fun, but yeah. No, my playing days are over. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And have you got a sort of target in mind, how much money you want to raise for the two charities? No target as such, really, yeah. I mean, every team that's participated has paid an entry fee, so there is uh, an amount already being raised before we even start the day, which is brilliant. Um, we've got the raffle on the day, uh, which has got some really lovely prizes that have been donated. Um, so, yeah, any amount is brilliant. But yeah, as much as we can, basically. Let's hope it's a good turnout and the weather holds out for them tomorrow. And as we head into the school holidays, there are plenty of events and activities going on across Kent. Here's our What's On editor, Sam Laurie. It feels like only five minutes ago we were talking about the end of the summer holidays and now the October half term's here. Although some kids break up a little later, many families across the county will be gearing up for a week off and lots of free time to fill over the next week or so. Luckily, there's a whole host of activities going on in Kent to celebrate not only the school holidays, but of course, the spookiest season of the year. We've got creepy arts and crafts, terrifying outdoor trails and ghoulish ghost hunts, all perfect for little ones who want to get into the spirit of Halloween without a real scare. We've got a list of 15 fantastic activities for the October half term up on the What's On website, so make sure you check it out to find out what's happening near you. Now, for those of you who do want a real scare this Halloween, we've also got a list of the most thrilling fright nights and scare attractions that are opening in and around Kent this week. Fort Amherst in Gillingham opens this weekend with its truly terrifying Halloween horror nights, and the Kent Scareground in Orpington will also be opening its gates and welcoming curious visitors into its mysterious mazes. And that's just to name a couple. I'm far too much of a wimp to brave these sorts of attractions, but if you're a thrill seeker, this is definitely an experience you won't want to miss. But don't worry, it's not all about Halloween. There are also plenty of other events taking place all over the county this weekend that don't involve the H word. Margate Bookie, the seaside literary festival which hosts events at Dreamland and the Turner Contemporary, is open over the weekend. There's talks from authors and comedians, podcast recordings in front of a live audience, and free children's shows and workshops so the whole family can get involved. And that's not the only festival you might want to visit over the weekend. The Spa Valley Railway in Tunbridge Wells will also be putting on its annual Real Ale and Cider Festival. Until Sunday, the railway will be serving up more than 150 ales and 50 ciders at its stations and aboard its heritage steam and diesel trains. And if you're in the mood to laugh, comedians Jordan Gray, Simon Brodkin and Angela Barnes are all stopping off in Kent over the next few days while music fans will be pleased to hear that 80s heartthrob Paul Young and soul singer Ruby Turner also have tour dates in the county this weekend. And looking ahead to next week, the spectacular stage adaptation of Life of Pi is coming to the Marlowe Theatre, and if you love the best-selling novel and the award-winning film, it's something you won't want to miss. The Edge of Your Seat show features incredible puppets, including a life-size Bengal tiger and a huge humpback whale. It's at the theatre from Tuesday and there's still a few tickets left so be quick if you want to snap the last of them up. 
So whether you're indulging your spooky side with Halloween treats or booking tickets to some unmissable theatre and music, I hope you have a wicked weekend. Thanks, Sam. Kent Online Sport. Football and it'll be a tough test for Gillingham this weekend as they welcome promotion chasing Notts County. The visitors to Priestfield are second in League Two, while the Jills have dropped to seventh after a 4-1 defeat last time out. Kick-off tomorrow is at three. And England rugby star Ben Earle has sent a message to his former club Sevenoaks ahead of their World Cup semi-final tomorrow. Hi everyone at Sevenoaks. I uh, just want to thank you so much for all your ongoing support during the tournament. Uh, it means the world to myself and the team. We hear you, we feel you every time we step onto the pitch. So for that, we're eternally grateful. Some of my favourite memories at Sevenoaks uh, include going down to the paddock on wet, miserable, cold Sunday mornings. Uh, and being treated with a one or two hot dogs at the end with a hot chocolate um, and watching the England play in the afternoon. So, you know, hopefully you guys are enjoying the, enjoying the tournament and I hope to see you all again very, very soon. Ben's in the squad as they prepare to take on defending champions South Africa. Earlier I spoke to chairman of Seven Oaks Rugby Club, Stephen Fitzmorris, who says he's a huge inspiration. It's been an amazing tournament. Everybody in the club has been following it. I think the whole world of rugby has been excited especially by last weekend's matches. They were some of the best rugby matches I think we've ever seen. And so now we're getting into it. We're at the semi-final stage and we got some cracking matches in progress. Yeah, and also a former Seven Oaks player is in the squad. How exciting is that? He is indeed. Ben Earl, who uh, was on Seven Oaks Rugby Club's books coming up through the junior section, is having an absolutely storming tournament. He's inspired the nation, let alone Seven Oaks Rugby Club, and we're looking forward to seeing him go well for England on Saturday evening. What was he like when he played for Seven Oaks? I mean, I wasn't that uh, sort of close to him. I was coaching another age group, but obviously everyone was aware of him. And he was always full of enthusiasm, full of commitment, giving it 100% on the pitch. He was an incredible athlete, you know, multi-sport in terms of his uh, talents. It wasn't just rugby. And then he you know, went on in his rugby career and look at where he is today. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it must be so inspiring for all the players, especially maybe the younger players coming up through um, Seven Oaks Rugby Club to see where they could end up. It's a huge inspiration. Uh, Seven Oaks Rugby Club is like, it's a club for all abilities, all ages from under fives and upwards. And obviously not everybody can become a Ben Earl, but what he does is he inspires the club and he inspires others. I was uh, lucky enough to have a chat with him when he came back to present one of his representative shirts to the club. And I had the chance to mention to him then what an inspiration he is and how him as a role model inspires others to achieve more and to be the best they can be. Seven Oaks is now playing at National League level. We're at National 2 and it's a very good standard of rugby. But then someone like Ben Earl playing for England, he was always head and shoulders really above the majority of the talent. Um, We've had a number of other players come through our books and you just kind of notice them. They've got that extra bit of pace about them. And then they go and sort of crack onwards and upwards up through the academies, the England academies, and then to represent the the nation at the Rugby World Cup is a huge honour for Ben and a huge honour for the club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what have you made of England's performance so far at the World Cup? It's been really interesting. Obviously, it didn't enter the Rugby World Cup on the best of form. But since the start of the tournament, you've seen that squad come together. You've seen that squad grow and build. And now it's quite amazing really to think that they're the only team in the semi-final that is so far unbeaten in the tournament. Um, Have you got a score prediction? How do you think it's going to go? 
as an England fan, more in hope than expectation. I would predict, with hope in my heart, a 29-27 victory for England. South Africa are obviously the favourites. They've got an immense squad, had a really impressive run as well, and they are the world champions. So it's going to be a tough, tough game for England to, to do well in. But if they can stay connected as a team, they stand cl- stay close to Africa, then I think they'll be in with a good shout come the final whistle. Alex Mitchell from Maidstone is also in the England squad. Kickoffs at eight tomorrow evening. That's all from us. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories. Direct your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.